It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I love a good walk. I love ginger ale. And I'm Avsidensky, and this Jew face would stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today after a one-week absence to discuss episode five of season four called The Five Wood, which originally aired on February 1, 2004. Uh, Av, why couldn't you get your act together and uh, show up last week for a podcast? Yeah, um, if anyone's upset, um, it's completely Chester's fault, as are most things. Um, but, you know, in his defense, he, you know, what he said was that his job and his wife and his children um, took priority. Um, so it's, I think it's just good that the, uh, the podcast listeners know where they stand in uh, Chester's hierarchy of interests. Yeah, listen, I'm not going to let pretty, pretty, pretty good dominate my life. That's right. You can't. You just can't. Um, if you weren't a real leader, uh, you wouldn't be doing it this way. And anyone who's a real leader would have skipped last week. Yes, exactly. All right. So let's uh, jump into the recap. Yeah. So we are at practice for the producers. Uh, Larry and his new uh, second lead, David Schwimmer, are singing and dancing. Larry looks like he is much improved. Um, the choreographer teacher even is effusive in his praise. He calls his performance fierce. Um, David Schwimmer wants some feedback as well. Uh, the praise for him is a little bit more muted. Uh, there's some execution, some criticisms of his executions built in, uh, specifically the uh, pas de beret. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. Um, Larry chimes in condescendingly, observing that it's actually a tough move. So, you know, David shouldn't get too discouraged by his failure to do it. Um, Larry even offers to do some extra work with him on the side, but uh, Schwimmer says, oh, I can't because I'm going to meet my dad. Turns out his dad is the founder of Health Glow, a company that sells those like mixed, uh, nu- mixed nuts bags, different combinations. And Larry's like, oh, that's actually really interesting because I all the time have great ideas for different mixed nut combo packages. And maybe I could pitch some to your dad, like maybe a pecan and a blueberry with a dried cherry and a filbert. And David's like, listen, you know, everybody thinks they have great ideas for which nuts to put together in the combo packages, probably just the same way that people are constantly pitching, you know, show ideas and jokes to you all the time. But, you know, everyone should just stay in their element and leave it to the pros. Yeah, I do love, by the way, Larry and Steve, the choreographer, being such good friends. It's very cute to me. I love how Steve even hates uh, Ben now. He's like yes. he's on Larry's side against Ben Stiller, yes. Yes. which 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 I find hard to believe because I'm sure Ben was a, a much more diligent dancer than Larry. Um, yeah, so, and, and obviously we'll uh, get more of that relationship as this episode continues. Yeah. Um, so Larry and Steve decide to go get a snack together and Steve is commenting along the way that the pairing of Larry and Dave is much better than with Ben. 
everyone agrees. Ben yeah. sucked. <laughs> Dave is much better. Um, Steve is just, you know, schmoozing with Larry. He's talking about his friend Anthony, who's a doctor. He just had a bad breakup. And Steve is really looking for someone to set him up with. Um, so, you know, as they walk into the convenience store, Larry picks up a bag of pirate's booty. Uh, he starts singing a song about the pirate's booty to the tune of Shake Your Booty, Pirate's Booty, um, which was, you know. What's your take on pirate's booty? Um, it is better than it looks. It's like surprisingly addictive. Like once you start eating it, you could end up eating half a bag before you realize because it's very light as like as you like swallow it so it's like you it could just like accumulate before you know you've eaten a lot yeah my experience my my uh, my kids are big fans of it yeah um we don't really eat have it here so much anymore they moved on to other things but we had a very big pirate's booty phase we're, we're more of like the uh veggie chips and veggie snacks uh, mm. which are like similar like similar yeah are they yeah. i don't think so oh i don't know <laughs> who knows um, yeah, i don't like I'm i don't sure. like i don't like cheese it's i don't like any fake cheese snacks Something about the fake cheese always bothers me. So, yeah, I'm not a. Yeah, especially like the way, like when it like comes off and you realize like how fake it is because it's like the consistency of the residue and like it's like bright orange and like it's, yeah, it's like obviously. I mean, Pirate's Booty is like the white cheddar, but it's it's the same issue. Yeah, yeah. It like gets everywhere. You know, you you know, if somebody's recently eaten a uh, (laughs) fake cheese based snack. Um, so, yeah, so um, he sees uh, a bag of uh, Health Glow cashews and raisins. But when he looks at it, he's upset that there are so few cashews inside and it's all raisins. Um, he calls the cashew raisin ratio askew. Mm-hmm. A tad askew. A tad askew. Um, so which uh, would, Rocky from Fiji would have a trouble understanding this episode. Mm. You don't remember that, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did he do? Um Sylvia, who's like the architect, uh, she like there. She's like in charge of building the shelter, yeah, yeah, and she yeah, calls like one of the walls askew, and she he like, he like had never heard the word before. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, he uh, rad, uh, Larry grabs two packs of the uh, cashews and raisins and says he's gonna head to work. <laughs> Yeah. So we uh, we get to the uh, Larry's office and he's making some chit chat with his secretary or with her with the secretary telling her how well practice is going with David Schwimmer. Um, she hands him a picture frame as a gift and she says, thank you for getting me those tickets to the night show. Larry says, oh, not necessary, but at the same time appreciates the gift. And she mentions that the dental hygienist called and left a message. So he calls her back and it turns out she wants to get together. Yeah. Larry's a little confused, but she explains that he gave her the tongue sign, so she assumed that she he was interested. He yeah, explains it's just, she's so comically forward. Like, why yeah. would she even assume he's available? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, the whole thing is very bizarre. Yeah, it's like he's an elderly married man who all he did was move his lips in a certain way when you took cotton out of his mouth at a dental office. Yeah. Um, to the point that like you assume that you're just going to call him and literally proposition him like not like, oh, maybe, you know, if I see you, it's like, oh, yeah, like, let's let's go hang out. Let's get together. Literally. Um, yeah, it's uh, so, yeah, listen, very forward. This is not something that happens much in my life, but good for Larry. Yeah. <laughs> um, she says that he reminds her of her college history professor, which surprises Larry. And he asks if he was an avuncular bald Jew. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so then uh, Steve walks in. He says, Larry, you left your script at, the, at rehearsal and he you know, came here to return it. And when he's you know, talking to Larry, he notices the frame on Larry's desk that still has the stock photo in it, which is of a young, handsome man. Yeah. Um, which we will see will then lead Steve to conclude that Larry must be gay. Yes. Only possible explanation. Yes. It's the only possible explanation. 
organization. Uh, it's definitely not something that would have been apparent to you or you know known to you until now of this guy you've been working for for weeks. Yeah. Um, the way you're going to find out is that he just randomly has a picture of a random good-looking guy on his desk, which you know that's what gay people do, I guess. Yes, yes. That's how they uh, manifest. That's how their gayness uh, manifests <laughs> itself in in real life. Yeah. Um, okay, so we uh, we head over to uh, the club, and we're, Jeff and Larry are in the locker room getting ready to play some golf. And Larry's telling Jeff all about what's been going on with the hygienist, um, and that they set up plans to talk next Thursday. Uh, sorry, to get together next Thursday. Yeah, I and, think they're going to be doing a little more of the talking. Yeah. Um, well, I think they're going to be doing a little bit less than talking. <laughs> Fair. Um, so he is. Uh, Second guessing whether to go through with it, but of course, Jeff, the uh, pro adultery creep, <laughs> is uh, very. To be fair, this is, this is not adultery. This is endorsed yeah, by Cheryl. Well, I guess it's yeah. I guess, I mean, it's still something. But I yeah, mean, it's, it's, it's right like up the your type salad. of thing that it's like yeah. I mean, I guess go you know you know as between him and his wife, you know she's okay with it. But like if Larry is like second guessing and like doesn't feel comfortable with it, that like maybe that's an indication he shouldn't be doing this, and yeah. he doesn't really need his best friends like pushing him along just because like. He's going to get laid if like it's giving him uh, a weird feeling. But anyway, you know, that's how that's what happens when you have a best friend like Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Jeff says uh, he's been noticing that Larry has been talking very gay lately, using words like fierce and doing a lot of hand gestures. And Larry theorizes that I must have picked up some of the mannerisms from Steve, the choreographer, who is gay, um, which, you know, Jeff seems to think that's probably what's going on. Um, Jeff uh, looks over at Larry's locker and is, uh, notices that it's a big, a big mess and he wants to know what's going on, tells Larry he needs to have more respect for the club and Larry tells him to mind his own business. Yeah. Um, I do like okay, when, so when the, Jeff says, do you remember Kurt Suzuki? They kicked him out for having a filthy locker. Is this reference to Kurt Suzuki, the catcher? I, I assume. Um, I would assume that they would have kicked him out for being a terrible hitting catcher, um, you know, who is barely even playable in fantasy baseball. So... Mm-hmm. But it could have been because of a, of a dirty locker. Yeah. That would be crazy if he got like kicked off the Mariners because his locker was dirty. <laughs> like, we're sorry, you're replaced. We got to we got a cleaner catcher who's able yeah. to keep his locker in order. Yeah. <laughs> also, you're only hitting 228. Um. So yeah. Um. Norm comes in. I guess apparently he goes to the same club. I don't know if we knew that by ne- until now. Although I guess there's Norm only is one the- club in LA. Well, there's also there's probably only the one Gentile club that, club that, that allows club. Jews in, right? Yeah. So Norm Norm looks like he's Jewish. Uh, yeah. He's friends with Mel Brooks, so he's probably yeah. Jewish. Uh, so that's probably what it is. This is the Jewish club. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry tells him rehearsals have been going well. Norm says, "Yeah, I heard." Um, Jeff asks Larry, uh, "Hey, maybe we should play golf on Saturday with Marty Funkhauser." But Norm says, overhears and says, "Sorry, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen because his father Leo actually just died." From Hodgkins. Yeah, I think it's interesting that the funk man is so not close to LD at this point and Jeff that when Jeff asks if LD wants to go golfing with him, he refers to him as Marty Funkhauser full name. Yeah, because this um, is a guy who will, will refer to Larry as his best friend. Uh, you right. Know, and yeah. Not too I mean, I, it's future. possible that's like, you know, for the audience's benefit, I would suggest. Yeah. OK, maybe we're not yeah, yet the necessarily familiar not. with the character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, but I if mean, he says the funk man or Funkhauser, we'd understand, you know, we wouldn't say. Which um, well, yeah, I guess yeah, we've, I mean, we've got a lot of Funkhausers. Right. And he was only in one episode so far. Yeah. Um, so they probably wanted to just make it clear. And yeah. honestly, who the hell knows which thing they shot first? You know, yeah. you know the show's a mess sometimes. Okay. Much like Larry's Locker. Um, so Larry is surprised because he thought that Leo had the good Hodgkins. Yeah. Jeff explains again, since Larry still hasn't learned this, that there's no such thing as good Hodgkins. Um, Larry says there is, and I know there is because I used to watch Party of Five, and mm-hmm. one of the characters on Party of Five had good Hodgkins. Yes. 
And that's where we should all get our medical information. Yes, party of five would never lie to me. Yes. I think that's where our Trump gets his medical information from. Hmm. That could be. So they head out to the course to start playing, and Sven the caddy is helping them out. Larry asks if the name Sven is Swedish. Uh, Sven clarifies that no, it's actually Norwegian, and he's offended that Na- Larry doesn't know the difference. Yes, uh, I'm from of course, Minnesota, this would so never I appreciate ha- this scene. Yeah, I mean, of course, this would never happen today because everyone now knows the name Sven from Frozen, which we know is based on Norway. So, uh, of course, everyone would know Sven that joke in 2020. But oh, you never saw Frozen? No, I know. I know that there's a snowman named Olaf, and there's two princesses. Yeah, there's a reindeer named Sven. Ah, it's one okay. of the main characters. Mm, character number four. I didn't know that many characters. Yeah. Um, My kids have Larry... never seen it, never been into it for whatever reason. Yeah, well, you have a lot of boys. Yeah. Um, so Larry asks if a Swede would likewise be insulted to be confused with a Norwegian. And Sven says, why don't you go ask a Swede? Yeah. Um, Very I, yeah, I wonder if that's true. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I know for sure that, like, in our community, you have, like, the old school, like, rivalries between, like, the Hungarians and the Romanians and the Austrians, like all, you know, everyone hates each other. Even if like, even all like Jews from the same world are like, oh, well, you were, you know, descending from Hungarians. So like we have, a, you know, some weird rivalry with you. And you know, now, you I, I will say this. I just Googled, do Swedes and Norwegians get along? Yeah. And here's the top response. There is no hatred whatsoever between Swedes and Norwegians. We are only good neighbors with sometimes a brother and sister conflict. The situation is pretty much the same between Swedes and Danes and Swedes and Finns. So at least in the outside world, the Scandinavians are claiming that they all get along. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that the Scandinavians all get along. You know, they live in these uh, well, hold utopian on, hold paradises. On. This, the second hit is what do Norwegians have against Swedes? Or what is the collective Norwegian opinion of Sweden? Oh, so it sounds like the Norwegians hate the Swedes and the Swedes are cool with the Norwegians. Yeah. So it sounds like Larry tapped into something here. Yeah, it seems like it. All right, here, here, here's, a, um, here's a Norwegian guy responding. It's it's just a bit of friendly rivalry between the countries. We have had some periods under the last king flag, under the same king slash flag, and a few wars over the years. The first war started in the Vikings era, and the last union ended in 1905. Over the years, we have many silly jokes and stories about the unintelligent Swedes and Norwegians growing up learning that we are better than them. The Swedes have the same thing, but they pick on Denmark as well as Norway. In reality, we like the Swedes, although nobody will admit it, and the collective opinion is that they are decent people, even though they take all the jobs in some sectors of Norway, such as banana peeling at restaurants. <laughs> Wait, the Swedes are banana peeling here? Big banana peelers, apparently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for Norway Sweden relations, yeah. and it's like 150 words total. So yeah. I suspect that the relations are fine. Yeah. In Norway, once I was watching an American cop show on TV. Someone is explaining the voice in English, subtitles in Norwegian. The character makes a quote dumb Pol- Polak joke about a Polish guy. The subtitle turns him into a Swede. Oh. Hmm. oh. So By the way, we, uh, do, we, we do not endorse uh, anti-Polish jokes on this podcast. Yeah. Anti-Swedish pro- jokes. We're we're pro that though. And uh, yeah, we, and this, we, this, yeah, the Swedes could be knocked down a peg or two. Yeah, they've been uh, coasting for yeah. a f- couple hundred centuries now, <laughs> a couple hundred years now, not a couple hundred centuries. Oh, maybe that too. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're back at practice. Uh, Larry's wearing a suit. David Trimmer calls him fancy pants, and he explains that he's going to a funeral. Yeah, Larry's uh, jacket, comically oversized, as it almost always is. Larry needs to get yeah. fit on this show. Yeah, he's not a good dresser. Yeah. Um, David uh, wishes Larry condolences, but Larry doesn't really care. Yeah. Tells uh, David that, oh, I just want to let you know. I, I went do to the love, store. by the way, yeah. in, in, in Jewish circles, there's sort of a tradition that when you when you are at a, a, a simcha, like a wedding or a bar mitzvah or a festival event like that, you say mazel tov, which is the congratulations. You say that not just to like the the person, the, the celebrant and their family members, but you sort of say to every person there, the idea is every person there is like, you know, 
by virtue of being in, in attendance is, is like is in honor is celebrating and it is i do love going up to like random people at, at weddings and saying mazel tov yeah i, I actually know, really dislike that practice yeah. so it always like makes me uncomfortable when people say mazel tov to me i'm like no, no well, I'm i just, guess i know I, who yeah. i'll be targeting next time i see you at a wedding yeah. which might not be yeah, until, i'm like, sure we'll be at a wedding together ever. very soon yeah <laughs> yeah that that's probably might not happen for a while i'm trying yeah. to think who do we mutually would we mutually be invited to the same wedding of at this point, yeah, there's very few people, and yeah. no, I'm saying I forgetting I about COVID. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think there's very few people, and I don't see marriage for any of them on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, it would have to be like, I guess if one of our friends got divorced and then had a remarriage, that's probably actually the most li- likely scenario at this yeah. point. I would say. Yeah. Although, although the um, second marriages are usually smaller affairs. But right. So that would limit the, uh, the number of the people overlap. Would invite both of us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, so maybe a Kiva and Mara. Maybe things won't work out for them. Um, I mean, we gotta I certainly find, I, we got to find another cer- woman for Akiva, though. Yeah, I could certainly see a scenario where things don't work out. I mean, based on uh, what, we, what we're told. But so far, it's been going OK, it sounds like. But, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't be the most shocking if she's like, wait a second. This is not a good deal for me at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, Kiva's great and she's lucky to have him. Yes, very lucky. Uh, we're all lucky. Um. So he tells David that I actually went to the store yesterday and I got a pack of your dad's cashew raisins and he's kind of skimping on the cashews. Uh, there was only four cashews in the bag and he shows him, look, there's only four. Much like uh, this is the same uh, with the shrimp all over again. Not enough shrimp in the uh, sh- shrimp Kung Pao or whatever it was. Um, Schwimmer explains that actually cashews are very expensive and you probably don't realize this, but there's been a shortage going on in the cashew market for a few years now. Uh, Larry's surprised because he never heard about this cashew shortage that's been uh, ravaging the nation. <laughs> yeah. Um, Larry, of course, Larry, uh, on top of uh, the research when it comes to the cashew industry. Yes. Um, and Larry has what I would call more of a branding idea. Mm-hmm. He says, how about this? Why don't you just call it raisins and let people be surprised by the bonus cashews that they get? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is obviously a ridiculous idea. Yeah. Um, Forgetting and, about uh, nut, nut allergies and the like. Yeah. And uh, David gives it the attention it deserves. I do love the fact that Schwimmer like personalizes his dad's entire business. Like a normal person would respond to Larry's comments with, yeah, I'll pass it on to my dad and end the conversation. But no, no, Schwimmer delves into the details of the business here. You know, David Schwimmer is only a star of the number one television show in America at this time. He's got a lot of time to spend focusing on his dad's nut business. Yeah. Um, yeah. He should really sink and swim on his own merits at this point in his career, I would say. Yeah. Listen, he grew up wanting to be nothing but a simple nut salesman. Yeah. And he was uh, he was successful. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're at the funeral for Uncle Leo, Grandpa Leo, Father Leo. Yeah. Um, Larry sees Jeff outside and shows him that he got a letter from the golf club saying that because of his dorky locker, lock, locker which has been reported to them, um, he will be suspended if he doesn't clean things up, get his act together. Now, do you think um, that just like with the plaque last episode, do you think they included a photo of the ugly locker in the letter? Oh, they should do that. Yeah, they should yeah. sell it to Although Sammy if, Green. If they, if they did, yeah, Larry probably left it at home because he learned his lesson about taking horrifying photos. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, right. No yeah. one, you know, that would be crazy to bring that to the to to a funeral, funeral picture yeah. of his disgusting locker. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of horrible um, person would do such a thing? Yeah, and Larry has a suspect. He thinks Norm is probably the one who told because he knows that Norm hates him. Mm-hmm. Fortunately. Um. So Jeff uh, sees that Larry's eating the cashew raisins. He says, oh, health glow. I hate health glow. They don't put in enough cashews. So apparently this really has been going on for some time. I guess, you know, the cashew shortage really has been ongoing. 
Um, Larry fills him in that this is actually Schwimmer's father's company. And don't worry, I've already made the same complaint directly <laughs> to him about the cashew raisin ratio. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, he sees Norm arrive and he offers him some nuts. Um, Norm declines. Um, he asks him if by any chance he is responsible for the letter he just got for the club due- about his locker. Mm-hmm. And Norm denies being having anything to do with it. And Larry does the uh, eye-to-eye interrogation. Yes, the um, fifth one and- we've seen so far on the show. Oh, you're tracking them. Excellent. Yeah, we had the acupuncturist in season two. And then uh, last season in Mary, Joseph, and Larry, we had three. One with the waiter, one with Carlos the yeah. gardener, one with Dora the housekeeper. Mm-hmm. And so now with Norm, this is the, uh, the fifth uh, eye, uh, eye stare opponent. He didn't do it to Susie recently? If he did, uh, I missed it, and we didn't discuss it on the podcast. All right, yeah. Still I mean, that's early. Not. That's early possible. Mm. Um, okay. Well, we'll see. Maybe we'll. I can check back my notes. Uh, I tend to write it down, so maybe I'll find it. Um, okay. So Larry goes uh, goes on in. He wishes condolences to the Funkhauser. Um, suggests tomorrow maybe uh, we'll get together. We'll play some golf when you're feeling up to it. Uh, while he's there, he also manages to squeeze in a quick request for the weatherman's golf tip that he still is uh, has not found out about yet. And Marty is, does not find this amusing. Yeah. Um, not Jeff the way your best at, friend should ask act at your yeah, father's funeral. Yeah. I mean, this is not a uh, not, not, not necessarily the right venue. Um, Jeff looks over, sees that there's a guy there he recognizes. He tells Larry that's Jeff Rosenthal. Mm-hmm. Jeff Rosenthal. Uh, he's a writer on Party of Five, so maybe you know he could help you out with this uh, Hodgkins thing you've been wondering about. Yeah, so this Larry... guy, by the way, is named Jeff Rosenthal, but is not a writer on Party of Five. Ah, okay. Um, so Larry goes over and says, "Hey, are you? Did you write on? You worked on Party of Five, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, tell me, um, this deal with Hodgkins. Um, didn't Charlie from Party of Five have good Hodgkins?" And Jeff explains, no, it's more that he had Hodgkin's and he survived from it. He had what was what is called Hodgkin's lymphoma, which has a higher survival rate than non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, so that's why, you know, he was he was kind of had a better survival rate and he did, in fact, survive. Um, Larry says, see, so, the, so he had the good Hodgkin's and they, they kind of agree, fine, it's not good Hodgkin's, but it's better Hodgkin's. Uh, so not good, but better. Uh, Larry, you know, Larry's got in trouble before with the word better. Uh, with the uh, acupuncturist. So, yes. you know, he needs to be start being more uh, less frivolous with the way he uses these words with respect to medical conditions. Yes. Um, he goes over to pay his respects to the deceased in an open, in an open coffin, as they note, which uh, would normally not be the case for a Jewish funeral, but yes. since it serves the plot. Um, and he notices that he's been put in the coffin with what Larry believes to be his five wood. And he has he his assumption is that Sven, in order to get back at him for, I guess, not knowing the, you know, national ah, origin of his name. Interesting. I put it there on purpose. That. So that but did they say that or are you, that's just your inference? No, that's what that, I think. That's what Larry says. Oh, I think Larry I, suggests I totally that. that. Yeah. Larry, Larry theorizes that it must have been Sven, oh, okay. um, which would be a humongous overreaction for him to purposely steal Larry's five void because he didn't know that Sven is a. Norwegian and, name as opposed to a Swedish yes, name. and also what happened to uh, Mr. Funkhauser's five wood? Right, that's a good question, which we're not really ever going to get to the answer to. Yeah. Um. So Larry comes up with one of his uh, classic harebrained schemes, mm-hmm. where he's going to go get the five wood from Jeff's car, and replace that with the one there, so that he can get his five wood back. Yeah. Um. Jeff is resistant to this at first because he really likes the feel of his five wood and doesn't want to deal with getting a new one. 
Um, Larry says, I will replace your five one and I'll go get you the exact same one. Um, nice. They don't really, they, they'll, they'll allude to it at some point, but they don't really explain why Larry can't just replace his five wood. Well, the implication is that Jeff's is, you know, an off the rack five wood and Larry's is some kind of custom hard to um, replicate. Right. It's been I aged. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's not very clear. I'm not a golfer, obviously. Yeah, me neither. By the way, you just referenced um, Larry's scheme is hairbrained. And I was wondering, what's the derivation of hairbrained? It comes from hair, H-A-R-E, not H-A-I-R. Oh, because interesting. Ha- hairs are known for their jumpiness and they're not the smartest creatures on earth. Oh, interesting. So it has nothing to do with Larry's baldness. Yes. Well, that's why I was wondering how he has so much time for all these hairbrained schemes with the lack of hair in his brain. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but we need to talk about this, this scheme. Yeah. So how does Larry get enough time with no one noticing to switch the clubs? It seems impossible to me. And then furthermore, how does he then run back to Jeff's car? How does he get the anyone. club back to Jeff's car? Because like we see him, the way he gets it in is he sort of slides it down his pants. And because he has this long, you know, erect club, he, he can't bend his knees. So he's walking sort of very stilted. But immediately after doing the switcheroo, the next scene we see, he's sitting in the pew with Saul speaking. You can't sit and bend your knee with the golf club in your pants. So obviously he went back to the car and returned the club. A lot of questions here. Yeah, it's um, it's hard to. I just, just know, like to... I haven't been to an open casket. Fu- well, I've been to one open casket funeral, and I sort of stayed, sort of not too close to the casket. But I, I would assume that most people at open casket funeral, like I would assume, like the open casket is sort of the center point of the room, and you wouldn't have an opportunity to, um, you know, pull this off. Yeah, I mean, it'd definitely be a challenge. I mean, at this point, I've been to a couple open casket, not really for the whole ceremony, but I guess I forgot what it's called. Is it uh, viewing? Or... Yeah, viewing or unveiling or something where it's kind of just like people are just like hanging out in the room mm-hmm. and like people will, you know, take turns going over to the casket to pay their respects. So I guess it's possible like that in a, a, a format like that, you know, you could kind of find a moment when no one else is really around there and pull it off but it's still you know it would be very challenging somebody would see that you're like playing around with a golf club and figure out what's happening um but yeah whatever um so Saul is giving the eulogy of his uncle and when he goes over to the casket to say his last goodbye he notices that something is wrong and he calls over Marty to confirm whether this is the wrong club and Marty agrees that it is and they realize somebody must have switched it and when they now, hold also, on a second here's my question yeah. so they knew that Jeff's could not be their father's, but they didn't know that Larry's. So I guess I guess Mr. Funkhauser's club was very similar to Larry's. Um, well, I think they, you know, nobody really looked at it closely. And when. But now they did. But they had an earlier. Oh, I guess what you're saying. Right. Why yeah. didn't they notice originally that this is not his. Right. They, if they know yeah. it so well that they can yeah, immediately so, identify it. Yeah. Right. Which I mean, suggests that just... it was that it was an accident and not Sven doing this, you know, vengeance against Larry that if they were similar enough clubs, then you yeah. could see, although presumably it would be his, yeah, the whole thing is kind of, you know, hand waved yes. a little bit, how all of this happens. The mechanics yeah. um, are not very strong, but whatever. So they, uh, upon further thing, they see that there's also a small cashew in there, which mm. Norm realizes must have been from Larry. And he uh, he outs Larry as the culprit and everyone is looking over at Larry in shock at how he yeah. can do something so This horrible. scene also is crazy. Like, wh- why does the cashew make everyone assume that LD switched the club? Why would you assume that somebody switched the club in the first place? That's an insane allegation to make, right? Um, like, yeah, why well, would guess... anyone here think that LD has any possible reason to do this? Why yeah, would they think make... it, it makes like even if, so Norm knew that LD was eating cashews. So that's like the only piece of evidence to tie Larry. Like, and Larry just sort of, you know, now as it turns out that when they take out this club, they see it as Jeff's initials on it. So, you know, Jeff is sort of an idiot yeah. there. Yeah. But it just at this point, before they pulled it out, 
every single person in the room starts screaming at Larry. And it's just there's no reason to think Larry did it, did anything. There's, there's, it's, it's an insane accusation to make. You know? Yeah. It's very crazy. Yeah. Um, and like the cashew could just mean that Larry was like paying his respects to the casket and like yeah. had cashews. And, on and, and let me go further here. I don't understand how they kicked the Davids and Greens out of the club. So what the so what that the um that the five wood has Jeff's name on it? That doesn't mean Jeff and Larry put it in there. They can say the wrong club was put in the basket in the casket, which is in fact exactly what did actually happen, right? Yeah. I mean if they if they handle it smoothly, yes. Um, although it's possible that they would, when they quickly said, oh, Larry, he, they patted him down and realized that he had um, Leo's well, that's why five wood before. in his he, pants. He had to have taken that one back to the car, uh, yeah, to Jeff's car. I guess. Because he, yeah, you see we him were... sitting with his knee bent. Right. That's true. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I mean, if they were better liars, they probably could have gotten yeah. away with it. They say, what the um, hell are you talking about? I'm sorry. There's a cashew in the casket. What, what does that have to do with Jeff's club? You know, ask Sven at the, at the you know. And then yeah. Sven would have got a big trouble because if Sven, in fact, did do a switcheroo, he can't deny having done a switcheroo. He did a different switcheroo, but he still did a switcheroo. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you're asking a lot of good questions. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, the, the Larry should hire you as uh, as his defense lawyer yeah. to appeal his uh, <laughs> being kicked out of the club. Yeah. So we head over to Jeff's house and Susie is livid at them because they've been kicked out of the club because of the five iron. Larry corrects her that it was the five wood, not the yes. five iron. Susie, read the episode title. <laughs> Cheryl wants to know where is she going to play tennis now? Tennis is very important to Cheryl, as we've established over the last four seasons. She yes. plays tennis all the time. Yes. Um, Susie says it's a shame because Cheryl's a great tennis player. Yeah. Larry's less impressed. <laughs> he says, oh, I beat her 6-1, 6-love. Yes. Um, Cheryl protests. She says, well, that was a long time ago. I've gotten better. But uh, if, if Larry David beat you 6-1, 6-love at any point, you're probably not very good. Hmm. Um, and Susie's, Susie's just really more focused on the uh, selfishness and the uh, lack of consideration that Jeff and Larry displayed. Um, which is accurate. Um, Larry explains that the five wood is irreplaceable and he'd rather be out of the club with it than in the club without it. Cheryl says, that's interesting because I feel just the opposite. I'd rather be in the club without you having the five wood um, than be kicked out of the club and you have to get a new five wood. Um, Yeah, Cheryl's position seems more reasonable. Um, Cheryl says, uh, well, actually, my friend told me about another great club that is uh, open for new members. But Susie says that club has like three Jews in it. It's Wasp Wasp Republican City. Points at Larry and says this Jew face is going to stick out like a sore thumb on the interview. Yeah. Uh, Larry thinks that Susie has just as much as a Jew face as she does. Yeah. Um, in I fact, will say I, La- Larry's correct on this one. Yeah. Susie is obviously Jewish. Um, he will refer to her in the most recent season as a Miskite, if you recall, mm-hmm. uh, which just means a very ugly Jewish woman. <laughs> uh, I guess I guess you don't have to be Jewish to be a Miskite, but. You're probably Jewish because um, if the person I, is saying it about you, then I, I, I um, I should be careful what I say here. My, uh, my wife, her parents, uh, brought up all of her old, uh, photo, photo albums and journals and diaries from, you know, from her life uh, up to our house last week, and so we've been reading together her journal. Like she kept a journal every day, basically from the age of eleven until like. 20 whatever which actually is an amazing thing and like i would encourage any listeners who are of that age which were probably very few to to do that because you read back later and like, like i'm really regretting that i didn't do that because it was really incredible to sort of read her um perspective at the time um and I'm yeah, not apparently go- apparently it's also really good for your for your own memory because oh for like, sure right, yeah writing, writing down memories like and it, like it anchors things to like a time and place so that like you just everything becomes much clearer in your minds um and According to some studies, I've read that it could really help with like your 
like your relationships with the people that you're writing about that like it just it makes stronger bonds um there was uh I, the memory i know there's a guy uh, who ha- who's like a memory champion he comes he goes on the gist every now and then um i think it's the guy who's like he mike pasco calls him like the world's most interesting man or something like that they yeah, have like once I, in a while I, i'm with, like, never i'm never impressed with the guy the guy the great storyteller yeah oh so yeah. he says that, that that's his key to the great storytelling is that yeah. he every day he has like an excel sheet and he writes down like a, he jots down just like a few random memories from that yeah. day and that just makes his ability to tether everything to like when it happened and who it happened with in his head much better yeah but yeah no, um, it's a, oh so the reason i brought this up though it. is because uh she made some uh uh, borderline or not even borderline anti-Semitic comments about the attractiveness of uh, of young teenage Jewish boys as opposed to Gentile boys back when she was a teenager. <laughs> Got it. She she talks a lot about the boys in her class and which ones are cute or not cute. She went to public school. Yeah. And she uh, she makes allegations about the attractiveness of the various uh, religious uh, denominations. <laughs> oh, OK. Um, so this is kind of like a, uh, a Jen Chester chart in a way. Mm, yes. <laughs> All right, so uh, we see why this worked out. Yeah, no snitching, by the way. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the uh, the idea for the Chester's charts episode of Renap? Uh, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> okay. More of a thirty-two fans idea. Yeah, I, I prefer to to maintain more of a distance from the uh, Renap world. From the Renap, so yeah. yeah, yeah, those people could come with the pitchfork sometimes. <laughs> Um, okay. So, um, Larry says another reason why this club is no good is because they don't allow golf carts unless you have a doctor's note. Um, Susie and Cheryl thinks that's great. You know, they could get some exercise, but, uh, Larry and Jeff are not having it. They're not going to, I mean, this is, that's like a weird thing, right? That like a, a fancy golf club would not allow golf carts for its members. Like this is not like the professional tour. Yeah. Like, you would think that like 99.5% of like amateur golfers want to yeah. have a golf cart. A golf I've cart. seen like, Donald Trump. Golf. He ain't walking the course. Yeah. I don't think most people who play golf want to walk the course. Like they're there to like have some beers and like have a good time with their friends or coworkers. Not. Yeah. I assume know, they're just, they're, they're establishing this because they need, you know, the storyline to come. Oh, know. of course. Oh, I understand why. It's just, yeah. no, but it's, really, it's yeah. a good point. It doesn't yeah. add up to me. Um, Larry heads to the bathroom. Um, he sees lo- uh, Oscar is in there lying on the floor. Larry's like tries to get him to leave, but he won't. So he figures what's the worst that could happen. Turns out the worst possible thing that you could think would happen is what happens. Uh, he takes down his pants to pee and we hear a scream followed by Larry shuffling out of the bathroom into the other room with his pants at his ankles and yelling, the dog ate my pe- the dog bit my penis not mm-hmm. ate my penis just it. so i guess it's the second worst he didn't, he didn't consume it uh so we quickly uh fast forward we're in the hospital and larry is waiting to be seen he has uh ice on his crotch uh he and cheryl agree that oscar should be put to sleep jeff doesn't isn't sure um because he's never beaten anyone before and maybe this is larry's fault because this is the first incident that larry has had with the dog um, Cheryl doesn't know what he's talking about and Jeff fills her in that last, uh, last episode, I guess, or last week. And, you know, from their perspective, um, when they were having the party for the Funkhausers, Funkhausers at their house, uh, she, Susie saw Larry petting the dog. And then when he got up, he had a boner. Yeah. What an allegation uh, by Jeff to totally side against his friend here. Yeah. Especially since we know that Jeff hates this dog and is allergic to it it's called like you would think yeah. he would welcome the opportunity to get rid of this dog that's like true. oh that's this is point. great he bit my friend's penis like okay yeah. now we can get rid of this dog i mean that really is a get ridding of dog offense i think oh I, yeah for sure you should, the dog is not supposed to bit friends penises yes or enemies penises for that matter unless they've been trained to yeah. uh larry says the story is not true he was just adjusting his pants susie turned it into a whole thing cheryl is pretty disturbed and figures out ah that's why ted didn't want you to watch the dog anymore 
So the, does Susie really believe this to be the case or was she just using it to cause trouble for Larry? It has to be the latter. I mean, again, we said last week, she, there's no way that she all of a sudden just decided now, oh, this guy like wants to have sex with dogs. Yeah, I like, mean, I guess there's an in-between where you don't want to have, you know, sex with dogs. It's just that in this specific occasion, the dog uh, inadvertently, you know, gave you an erection. I, I think that is a possible in-between position. I guess, but if it's inadvertent, I, I mean, like, I don't know. Yeah. Erections happen sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah, sometimes they're just like, you know, the right, you know, combination of what you're thinking about and, you know, something being touched yeah. causes an erection. It doesn't mean that times you, a day. Yeah, it doesn't mean you want to fuck the dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, or maybe it means you do, in which case, you know, you probably don't want to let your dog around that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I guess better be safe than sorry. I mean, uh, Larry did say it's not often he gets to be affectionate to something German. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you, we're talking about a guy who sometimes will say, I want to take a risk. So we can't just. Uh, yeah. Having sex the with the dog after. is definitely a risk. Yeah, that would be a risk. Um, so the doctor comes in to see Larry and Larry tells him what happens. Uh, the doctor actually recognizes uh, Larry's name from the chart and says, oh, I'm friends with Steve. Um, turns out this is the doctor friend that Steve was mentioning earlier in the episode. And Steve told me all about you. Yeah. Um, which makes Larry very uncomfortable. Now, um, it's, we know that Larry has a, you know, one free pass for his 10th anniversary. Yeah, he should use it on the doctor. Yeah, I mean, he's a good looking guy. It's, you know, why does it have yeah, to be so, a woman? So it's like this whole thing is very doesn't make any sense because it's like one thing. Fine. Steve, the choreographer, is a big idiot who concluded that Larry is is gay because of the picture. Fine. Let's grant that. But then he's looking so for a relationship, has, isn't he? Not just but like, also a it's like he has this young attractive doctor yeah. who's single probably in his i don't know late 20s early 30s yeah. maybe 40 yeah, yeah like this guy is not dating larry david i mean i guess larry's a billionaire so maybe but again but, but, but even if he assumes that larry is secretly gay he knows that larry's married like larry wouldn't be looking for a relationship he'd be looking for like you know a fling, a fling. on the side yeah and yeah and that doesn't seem he doesn't seem like the ideal target for such a fling yeah, Steve. But honestly, uh, Steve really has a high opinion of Larry. If he wants to set Larry up with this good-looking doctor, yeah, of his. yeah. I mean, Steve should really be being more discreet if he thinks Larry is uh, leading a secret life. I think he should but, have checked with Larry, probably. Yeah, he should have checked with Larry before he starts setting him up with doctors. Yeah. I mean, what? Why did he need to check? He had all the evidence he needed that there was a photo <laughs> on his desk with a black and white. Band. Yes, the photo on my desk told me your sexual orientation as well yeah. as your relationship status and your interest yes. in being set up right now. Yeah, yeah. All, there's, there's all, all these things. Yeah. Know. Tons of sense. Um, okay, so we head over to the new country club, and you were certainly right last week when you said I should have saved my uh, country club joke for this week because the joke I told is almost exactly the same scene that we see here. Yeah. Um, Larry, uh, they you know they start. It is funny, Larry, by the way, that we brought it up last week, not realizing it was in this episode. Yeah, I didn't realize it was this soon. I knew there was that yeah. scene, but I didn't know what it was coming up this soon. I would have, uh, I would have yeah. held on to it. This um, scene is like what Larry pretends to be the Gentile is one of my favorites. Yeah, zero percent of these lies get through in 2020. Like these are all uh, Google. Yeah, things. these are all easy to Google. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Larry starts telling him all about his background. He tells him he drives a Hummer. He went to Yale. Him and Cheryl met at a Reagan fundraiser. Mm. Um, they stress how comfortable they feel here. He admires the golf course, but his real game is polo. But I got into an accident, and my polo days are over. <laughs> but as it turns out, the swing from polo and golf are similar enough that I picked up golf. Yeah, the two wasps um, agree. By the way. Everyone agrees. Larry uh, jokingly asks whether that was a log cabin Republican he saw earlier, and they all enjoy a lovely homophobic chuckle together. 
Yes. Uh, but- Here's my question, though. L.A. is such a small town that everyone knows everyone. And there's only two clubs, the one for the Jews and the one for the Gentiles. One right? for the Gentiles, yeah. And yet the Davids and Greens like. are so sure they can lie their way in and no one in the small town will ever catch them. Well, because they're all Gentiles. Nobody there knows Larry David. I guess the, the Gentiles and the Jews don't mix. Yeah. They don't mix. They don't Two mix. separate worlds. Yeah. It's like uh, meatball and spaghetti or uh... shit. What's the one? Yeah. Forget it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's from uh, Big Daddy. He's like, oh, like lamb and tuna fish. Hmm. That's a weird. Sorry. They don't yeah. mix. They don't mix. Um, so they ask Larry about his hobbies. He says he enjoys sailing. I usually sail by myself, but I'll bring in a captain if it's windy. Mm. He's uh, he mentions that he is both a moose and an elk. Mm. He's in the Rotary Club. They are members of the Council for Conservative Citizens, the yeah. National Right to Life Committee, and the Heritage Foundation. Interesting that in a small town, these guys have never seen Larry at any of these. Yes, yeah, at any right, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, why? Yeah, um, yeah. Early, uh, early pop culture shout out for the Heritage Foundation. I wouldn't have known, I guess, mm. that it would have. Uh, transcended into the pop culture that early. Hmm. Um, everything is going great. Larry shows them the doctor's note, and he says, this will, of course, require me to use a cart instead of walking the course. Hmm. And Shouldn't you yeah. wait till you get in the club to bring this up? But I guess not. Yeah, I guess it makes sense to bring up now because you don't want it to, you know, you know, let's be upfront. We want to be upfront about anything. We don't want there to be any uh, yeah. dishonesty in this interview. Yes, I guess so. Um, so, uh, you know, you know, it seems like everything went well with the interview. We uh, cut later to Larry in his office and he calls Delilah to tell, let her know that I can't make it because a dog bit my penis. She hangs up and we hear Dalil tone and the episode ends, which uh, I guess it makes it very clear that this get together at uh, one purpose and one purpose alone, because now that his penis got bit, there's no purpose for them to even meet. Yeah, the ending is a real non sequitur to me. And if he is interested in her and why wouldn't he be? Why does he let it end so abruptly? Yeah, why doesn't he say, listen, I would still love to get together with you, but yeah. like I had a little bit of an accident and can we maybe postpone till next week Yeah, um, when I'm recovered? Um, yeah. Seems like, you know, if she really wants to uh, jump his bones that she would be, uh, she'd be cool with that. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. It's a big non sequitur, but I still just like love ending on that note. Like mm. I, I still like laughed a lot because I, I had forgotten that it was going to cut back to that and like i thought it was gonna end on something country club related and when it just abruptly goes back to him for just that one scene of the dog bit my penis yeah uh i cracked up at that so uh definitely doesn't work structurally but it still made me laugh all right so how do you rate this episode I guess I, w- I would say I'm a little bit down on this uh, compared to the cal- last couple few. Um, so I will go two and a half uh, pretties out of five. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Okay. Um, I'm uh, just a little bit higher than you. I give it three. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So we basically uh, flip rolls from last week. And it, this rating basically for me is the country club scene alone. I just love that scene. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, that plus the line, a dog bit my penis, hmm. uh, both times it is recited, <laughs> just make me laugh hysterically just because yeah. of, of the absurdness of it. And that, like, yeah, I have this right in the meaty part of the curve, though. I have it 17 of the 35 episodes we've seen. OK, so yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I would say overall, I've been uh, a little disappointed on season four so far because I expect this to be just like real yeah. top notch episodes from beginning to end. Um, and I know we keep saying it, but I, I, you know, I, I guess I'll say this. If I don't end up liking the back half of this season, then it could be that just, I, you know, I remember Curb more fondly and it, you know, it doesn't age as well as maybe I thought because just looking at the episode names of the episodes coming up, they're like all classics in my mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, the next episode is sort of a consensus top 10 all time episode. Yes. Some yes. people have a number one. Yes. Um, 
we also have the survivor coming up a couple episodes after that yeah. uh, similarly uh you the know, finale opening it. night is an all-time great episode okay so like I, you know we're, we're reasonably confident that three of the next five episodes are going to be very strong yeah um so and I'm, I'm looking at sort of the cumulative rankings the only episode we have left the season that doesn't ha- that isn't in anyone's top five or top ten is wandering bear and wandering bear is an episode that i actually really like so okay yeah so yeah. uh um, when wandering bear asks uh larry uh, how uh, cheryl's vagina is Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah, so we're, uh, we're halfway through season four. Um, and I think we're about to, uh, really hit the, uh, the highlights. Now that we, uh, ditched Stiller and added Schwimmer. All right. Uh, who is your come with guy? I'm going to go with Jeff. Um, I think this is a very typical come with episode for Jeff. Uh, he goes along with the scheme. He lets Larry uh, use his club to make the switcheroo. And, you know, there were no other obvious good candidates to me. Yeah, I picked Jeff as well for basically the reasons you stated. By the way, Jeff now with six uh, come with guy points, more than double Cheryl at two and a half is in second place. So Jeff really building up on his lead here until Leon shows up in the picture, I think. Yeah, as you said, Jeff is involved with all the LD schemes in this episode. He has nothing to gain and everything to lose by participating in the club swap, and yet he did it anyway. So, you know, that's a heroic uh, uh, come-with-guy effort by Jeff. <laughs> Who's your worst person? Uh, worst person, I'm going to go with Norm. Oh, agree with um, again. He, um, you know, we're presumably he's the one who ratted out Larry about the dirty locker, although we don't know that for sure. Uh, we know that he's the one that rats out Larry um, with respect to the golf club and the cashew situation. Um, and he's just like had it out from Larry from the beginning. So like this is, you know, even if, you know, the, his behavior by itself in this episode doesn't warrant it, this will, you know, we'll give him like a, a lifetime achievement award where he should definitely be getting some points yeah. as a bad guy. I absolutely agree with you. The cashew snitching, the, uh, the messy locker snitching. Norm is, uh, he's had it out for Larry and we don't like him. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have one big celebrity in this episode, David Schwimmer. This episode was on the air at the same time as the final season of Friends. So Schwimmer was like an absolutely massive star at this point. Yeah, I would say that, you know, it's between him and Shaq now for most famous. I mean, I, I can certainly accept that if the answer is Shaq, that, you know, that's a perfectly reasonable position. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's then a big drop off from those two to anybody else. Yeah, I would say I would say in 2020, you know, Ted Danson is higher. Ben Stiller's higher. Martin Scorsese, Mel Brooks higher. But in at the time of the episode, yeah, Schwimmer's as big as they get. Yeah, he was one. I mean, he was at this time getting paid a million dollars an episode to be on Friends, which yeah. was like the number one show in America. Yeah, uh, yeah there's no question. Um, I, you know, he's definitely it's definitely top two. And, you know, I, I, I would suppose that Shaq is probably a little bit higher uh, fame wise at that point. But yeah, I think Schwimmer, Schwimmer's right there with him, especially internationally. Um, but like, let you know, let's put it this way. If they all walk into a room together in Hollywood, in a restaurant, and they all want a table. Who's getting the table? It's Shaq. Shaq is getting the table, number one. Yeah. Um, yeah, Shaq is also just, like, much more instantly recognizable because of yeah. his size. Yeah, yeah, and, like, Schwimmer could, like, much more easily blend in and, like, kind of... I mean, you know, you would... with After a double take, you would realize it's David Schwimmer, but it's not like you would, like, stop walking on the street if David Schwimmer walked by you, whereas Shaq would stop you in your tracks. Yeah. If David Schwimmer walked by now, I think we might not even notice him. Oh, yeah, no, he wouldn't... Like, I would get a table ahead of David Schwimmer now. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, should we go to the postman? Right. Postman! Postman! Come here! Tell the neighborhood! Let's see what the postman has. Um, we have a new emailer this week. Um, 
Before we read the emails, this is just a, uh, a good time, as always, to remind everyone, if you want to send in uh, some email to the postman, we, uh, we welcome you to do so and we encourage you to do so. And you should just send those emails to prettygoodcurbpod at gmail.com. The address is in the, the show notes. So just click on that and then write your email and you'll be good to go. Um, also, feel free to uh, rate the podcast on iTunes and elsewhere so that other Curb fans and Av and Alex fans could find the podcast. So new emailer this week, uh, we have an email from Ashley Welleschuk. Uh, I apologize if I mispronounced that name. She writes, hi, Alex and Av. I'm Ashley, and I am both a moose and an elk. I finally Ooh. caught up with your, re- your rewatch and just in time. The episode always holds a special place in my heart because when I first met my best friend, he sent me the video clip of Larry and David with the cashews with the caption, this is what being friends with me is like. Little did I know that I was such a major Seinfeld and Kurt friend, which ended up being the root of a great friendship. So despite all of his antics and making everyone at the funeral hate him, Larry and the cashews definitely brought two people together. Oh, that's, you know, that's, you know, that's what people say about Curb. It's just like a nice, wholesome show that brings people together. <laughs> and I'm glad it's been so, uh, so great for your friendship. Also, I get a huge kick out of Larry and Cheryl trying to be wasps. Very good scene. Uh, I forgot how much happens in this one, but perfect. Perhaps I'm biased because I associate this, but I rate it pretty, 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 pretty good. That is five pretties out of five. Wow. Thanks for the pod, guys. Um, yeah, thank you so much for your email, Ashley. We hope you will keep writing in and that others will as well, because we love hearing from our listeners. Now, Ashley's not alone. I will say that I have two rankings that have um, one ranking from IMDb has this as the number three episode of all time. Wow. And okay. then another episode also from IMDb that has the number four episode of all time. So this is uh, Ashley is not alone in her uh, deep love for the five four. Yeah. Um, OK. Uh, next email from Zach Brooks from uh, Zach Brooks. He asks, did you guys watch Party of Five? Had quite the cast. Um, I definitely never regularly watched Party of Five, which isn't to say I never, you know, had an episode on at any point while it was on because I didn't have cable. So like if Party of Five was on, it's possible there were nights that I watched it. But I I definitely don't know much about it other than uh, that Matthew Fox and Nev Campbell are on it. Oh, I knew from the Seinfeld episode where Larry denies having watched it. Or was that Melrose Place? Uh, I think that's Melrose Place. Oh, okay. Are they related shows? Was a I think they were like both on Fox at the similar time, oh, but, but they weren't spinoffs of each other. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, yeah. So I never. Yeah. So apparently none of us really saw it. Um, explored several mature themes, including substance and domestic abuse, teen pregnancy, mental illness, cancer, although it was only the good cancer. We know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Scott Wolf. I don't know who Scott Wolf is. So that's probably the main character. Is that I think that is that the actor's name or the character's name? That's the actor's name. Okay. He plays Bailey Salinger. That's uh, you know, one of Matthew Fox's uh, brothers. Anyway, yeah. okay. he's the first, he's listed as the first lead, first character. Uh, he's ahead of Matthew Fox and Dev Campbell. That's why I was surprised to look to see who he is, because I would have thought that those two would have, would have been the top two. Anyway, um, okay, uh, Zach continues. He says, the dog bit my penis might have made me laugh more than any line so far in the series. Wow. Uh, I'm with you, Zach. Just didn't quite come together at the end, and he gives it four pretties out of five. Well, I guess it's the first dog biting the penis that made him laugh. Uh, I would think so, yes. That's yeah. the better one. Um, okay, and then the last email from Owen Allen. He says, a good, fun episode. Very fierce. Opening with the musical number gave it a bit of a pep in its step from the start. Hard to believe Larry beat Cheryl at tennis years ago, given his previous effort. Is this the biggest collaboration you could think of between Friends and Seinfeld? Is this the biggest collaboration we could think of between Friends and Seinfeld? Well, I mean, Courtney Cox went on Seinfeld. 
writes. I think that's more direct than David Schwimmer going on on, on Curb. Although, again, Schwimmer does it while Friends is the biggest show in, in the country. So Schwimmer really yeah. – like, I don't want to say slumming because, you know, obviously we like Curb more than Friends. But Schwimmer really – it's a sign of respect for Curb, I think, that he comes on Curb at this point in particular. Yeah, should we do like a quick uh, IMDb Kevin Bacon thing to see if any of the other combos have – well, let's see. Um, well, Lisa Kudrow is not on either Curb or Seinfeld, right? I wouldn't think she's on Seinfeld, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, because uh, Jennifer Aniston is not on either one. Well, Co- I, for the, for purposes of this, they don't have to have been on the other show. Like, it could be a collaboration on another on another show, like another, another thing. Another. Well, oh, so has anyone from these two worlds ever worked on anything else together? I'm sure they yeah. have. Yeah, probably. All right, let's see. Jennifer Aniston and Julia Louis Dreyfus. Uh, they were both at the second, the 72nd Golden Globe Awards. Okay. okay. This is not a very helpful IMDb. <laughs> that, that was that one of my fit, top 72 Golden Globes. I have to check my ranking. Yeah. Um, the answer is pr- it's probably this, uh, other than that one episode of Seinfeld that Courtney Cox is on. Yeah. Where she played you the know, wife. Was it only one episode? I think she might have been on like two episodes, no? Was she for two episodes? I thought it was just the one with the wife. Mm. With the, with the, the dry cleaning. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe. We will have another dry cleaner coming on this season of Curb very soon. Yes. Yes. Uh, an orthodox dry cleaner. Oh. Gina Gershon. Yes. Um, he says, uh, so Owen continues, uh, if not discussing the pod, have our esteemed podcast hosts ever got into debates about who can come across as more Gentile? Um, it's obviously Chester. It's not even a question. Yeah. Uh, his, name, name. <laughs> his name is Chester. My, my name ends in SKY. Uh, his name is Alexander. Mine is Abraham. Um, I have much curlier hair. Um, I have a much more Jewish nose. Um, yeah, it's, this, is, this is not a close debate. No, ha- having the name Alexander Chester comes in very handy when I'm like on the phone exasperated with like Comcast terrible customer service because I don't have to feel like I'm like, you know, I, I, you know, I don't have to feel like, I mean, I try and act in a nice way, obviously, anyway. But if I express frustration with their system, I don't have to feel like I'm like, you know, creating another anti-Semite. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Chester's also from the Midwest. I'm from New York. Um, he plays polo. He yes, went to Yale. <laughs> I'm in the Heritage Foundation. And... That's right. Yeah. Um, she says, um, myself, like Larry in this episode, have been mistakenly thought of as being gay. I was told on a drunken night away in Germany by my manager that everyone in the office thought he was. Don't think I confirmed or denied. Mm. Um, we have a we have a friend in uh, a friend in common who we you know we we alluded to earlier, kind of as maybe some of our friends in common who are not yet married, and we uh, we often refer to talk to him about a guy whose superpower is that nobody has ever thought that he's gay. We have a friend who's not married who no one has ever thought is gay. Yeah, think of the people that we know in common who are not married. No one would ever confuse them for. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, got it. <laughs> Um, I mean, I think, does he, uh, well, let me put it this way. Does, There's two people. It's actually two people. Is the initial that he goes by not an actual one of his initials? Uh, yeah, that could be. And he doesn't want us to say his name on the podcast or any podcast. Yeah. 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 Well, I was actually talking about somebody else, but it works just as well for him. Um, but who's the other one now? Cause I can think of somebody, but he did get married. So, all right. Anyways, no, yeah, anyways. Um, okay. All right, listen, uh, next, oh, next week we have, um, wait, wait, we, Owen, we're, oh, we're still, oh, we're still, still in all emails. Sorry. Yeah, Owen. Sorry. Let's just finish up his, uh, come with guy. He says, Jeff. Uh, he agrees with us. Uh, villain of the week, he says Norm. Okay, so you know we're all in. Uh, we're all in agreement here. Uh, Jeff and Norm, four pretties out of five. So the listener is a little bit higher on this episode than we are. 
Um, okay, go ahead. On to next week. You know, we mentioned this earlier in the episode, but next week we really have a dynamite episode. And, you know, I don't know what rating I'm going to give it, but I think there's a good chance that I'm going to say that it was pretty, pretty. <laughs>